Our spiritual theme for the month of November is attention, <laughs> something which can be a challenge for your minister on occasion, just saying. As always, on the first Sunday of the month, we include a list of spiritual questions in your order of service. So these are lovely questions to reflect on through the month. They give us food for thought and food for our inner spiritual work, which is actually going to be at the heart of what we're going to explore together this morning, particularly the spiritual practice of finding stillness. So let me begin. Did everyone have a good Halloween? Yes? <laughs> is everybody still awake? <laughs> no? Okay. Let me, uh, let me start with an invocation from the Reverend Richard Gilbert. Come in to this circle of caring. Come into the community of gentleness, of justice, and love. Come, and you shall be refreshed. Let the healing power of this people penetrate you. Let loving kindness and joy pass through you. Let hope infuse you, and peace by the law of your heart, because in this human circle, caring is a calling. All of us are called. So come. Come into this circle of caring. Our reading this morning comes from the Reverend Gretchen Haley, and it's called Notice Your Belovedness. There is a time to let go. The resistance, the steadfast march, the complete the to-do list for parents and activists and for all who love this life these people, these mountains, this sky, there is a time to rest and to trust the world will go on. Filled with partners at the ready, all of us splitting shifts on this project of building and healing, tending and turning. Breath and being require their own practice their own attention. And the heart needs time for becoming, for becoming stronger after the shattering, the opening wider, the learning to love more again and again. Take in the stillness of this moment. Notice your belovedness like a memory calling out from the center of your being, connecting every little piece of everything to everyone and all of us. Feel gratitude rising for this chance to begin again and again, this day with hope. Reverend Maria, sometimes you say to me, Reverend Maria, we need hope. We need to feel inspired. 
We need the strength to go on. We need a break from all that difficult stuff that keeps going on outside in the real world. Or sometimes not so much outside in the real world, but actually within our very own lives, within the spaces in which we live, with the people we love the most and care about the most. Reverend Maria, I can't stand watching the news anymore. It's too hard. I feel like it never stops. Reverend Marie, I'm glad we tackle the issues of our day in our congregation, but, but I don't know what to do. We need help. We need help figuring out what to do. Beloved, we bring these tensions, don't we? We bring these different competing needs, this vulnerability. It's not the same for each one of us. We all have different experiences. We are at different moments in our lives. You know, we're at different points in the roller coaster. But still, these tensions are here. How, how do I remember my belovedness when all I feel is that I want to put my head under the covers and come back in about maybe 20 years? I saw the frost on the ground this morning when I, when I woke up at 4 a.m. <laughs> Daylight saving time used to be a gift. <laughs> Not anymore. I saw the frost on the ground and I thought, oh, the wheel of the year is turning. It's turning. As we, as we say in, in earth-centered spirituality, the wheel of the year is turning and this is not, as some of you may have heard me say maybe two or 3,000 times, not my favorite time. <laughs> and there's frost and the earth is fallow and resting and quiet. <laughs> And our world is getting ready in its own time to bring forth new life and new energy and new things. And it's inviting us to rest and restore ourselves so that we too can bring forth new life and new energy and new things. Except I think for many of us, this time of year means an extra to-do list. <laughs> you know, we can't avoid all those shiny green and red displays. <laughs> Buy more, bake more, do more. Holiday making is work. Now, I love the holidays, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these people who, you know, sort of waves... My wags my finger at, at commercialism. I kind of love commercialism. That's embarrassing, but true. I love it when the Hallmark Channel starts doing Christmas movies again because, you know, <laughs> my son and I sit there and cry together. It's awful. <laughs> and great. We're into the holiday um, baking championships now. <laughs> 
We all have our vices. But it's easy to forget that this time, these festivals, this time when the earth doesn't require us to tend to it every moment, these festivals invite us into gratitude and remembering and connecting and celebrating and celebrating that whatever happens tomorrow, today we have one another. Whatever the next crisis, and it will happen. I mean, if you watch MSNBC, 20 of them will happen between now and and midnight. If you have the appetite for that. And they will be real. But still, the invitation is different. The invitation is different. Every year, the American Psychological Association, or maybe it's a psychiatric, psychiatric association, does a poll. And in the last one, which was about six months ago in May, found that 40, almost 40% of people in our country experienced more anxiety in 2019 than in 2018. That's a huge number. That's a huge shift in our communal energy, isn't it? And whether you or I are individually or personally more anxious, it's hard to ignore, right? It's hard to ignore the anxiety around us. Let me put it this way. It takes work to push it away. And our faith... Our faith calls us to not deny, not to push it away. Our faith calls us to be present to what is. It calls us to be present to the needs around us. To the suffering that is so hard to watch or can be so hard to watch. So how, how do we navigate? How do we navigate? I want to talk about this morning and invite you into a conversation with me about the power, not only of finding stillness as a spiritual practice, but, but the power of spiritual practices in general. The power of doing something very simple sometimes to change the default setting on our wiring. Because you see, it turns out, at least if we believe the, the neuroscientists, it turns out that our brains were designed by, I don't know, millions of years of evolution. Our brains were designed to focus more on the things that are negative. It's called the negativity bias. Anybody know of this? You're all scientists. You probably know more than I do. The Richard, uh, Rick Hansen, who's a, a writer I've been reading, who's, who's studied this, and his wife is a neuroscientist who has studied this, has a great description of it. He says, our brains are designed to deal with negative news as if they were Velcro. But when it comes to positive news, our brains are Teflon. <laughs> it's kind of catchy, right? 
That's why he's a New York Times best-selling author and I'm not. <laughs> so we grab onto, I mean, the, 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 the default setting, the default setting is to grab onto, right? Like you get 20 compliments in a day and somebody says some, something negative and what do you remember? If you're me, you have a hard time not remembering the difficult thing. So we have this negativity bias and when, when something even more difficult comes into our life, when, when there's impeachment and, and, and division and suffering and all this stuff, the default setting gets stronger. And even if we are people who regularly use and turn to spiritual practices in order to live better lives, and I know many, if not most of us here do that, even when we are those people, these things can throw us off track and can throw us right back into that default setting where every small thing gets worse. You know, I can often tell how good my spiritual condition is by the way I behave on my drive to the church. <laughs> Took a minute. <laughs> so on those days when I don't dare talk to anybody about being spiritually advanced. Now, I, as an aside, I'm getting to love all things Maryland. But honestly, the way y'all drive in this state... <laughs> So there are those days when I'm tooling along, being very spiritual, and somebody once again comes right up on my rear bumper, and I have to sit on this hand. You know why? <laughs> because one of you might see me do something no minister should be seen doing in public. And I go, wow. <laughs> I need either more prayer or more medication. <laughs> I'm kidding. Medication doesn't work for this stuff. <laughs> but, and here's the truth. I mean, I make a joke out of it, but it's actually the, the, I'm telling you the truth. On other days, on my better days, on the days when I've taken the time, and that's most days, I take the time to tend to this, these needs that I have, I will pull over and pray for the person who's in such a hurry. Because I don't want that person to get in an accident. And I don't know why they're in a hurry. I mean, they probably didn't wake up that morning just to annoy me. They may be in a hurry because they're rushing to the hospital. I don't remember that on those days when I'm just so reactive. when my default setting is telling me that everything is bad. So the goal, the purpose of looking into ourselves and working on these things and even working harder on them when the going gets extremely difficult, the goal is not what I was taught as a child that, that I somehow needed to become better because I was so deeply depraved. My father was a hardcore Calvinist. And it worked for him. It didn't work for me. 
And so I thought that praying and meditation and the spiritual practices that our ancestors developed many thousands of years ago, I thought those things were there because I wasn't good enough. And over time, I learned that those things are there so that I can not only be happier and more loving, but so that I can be present. So that I can be present to you, to myself, to my family, to my community, and to our planet. So that I can gently and lovingly change this default setting and be the person I aspire to be. So Dr. Hansen has concluded with, along with his research associates, that one particular practice, and don't worry, I'm not going to tell you all to meditate for 30 minutes a day. <laughs> Some of you do that. Some of you will not do that. But that one practice will actually help us retrain our wiring and retrain our ability to be responsive to the world and not reactive. So let's try it together. In a minute, I'm going to invite you to be quiet and still for about a minute. But right now, Think about something, don't overthink about it, don't overthink it, but think about something that is positive in your experience right in this moment. And it could be super simple. Comfy seat, love your new shoes, light from the window, beautiful flowers, and just raise your hands when you've got something. Now, if you wish to, close your eyes and just dwell on how wonderful that experience is for just 20 seconds. Thank you. We don't, at least I don't, I'll speak for myself. We don't do that enough in our days. I mean, sometimes we do. Something, sometimes something of beauty or a interaction or something just strikes us. But taking that little bit of extra time to really, really internalize it, really integrate it five or six times a day to celebrate it can make a difference. It can help us feel the sense of connectedness. You know, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about what we need, how we need to belong, how we need to feel safe, and how we need to feel connected. These other experiences that shatter us take that away, but these experience, experiences, such as the ones you all just thought of, can help to remind us it's okay. Right here, right now. We have some incredibly precious gifts together. We have this time 
we have the space to remind ourselves this moment of stillness to reset. It's like when the message comes on your smartphone, do this or something's going to explode before midnight. Reset. We can reset ourselves. And as the poem said at the beginning of our service, this morning, each day again, I actually have my, my um, phone set to remind me, I think it's six times a day, to connect to my higher power. And sometimes all I say is thank you. Thank you for the trust and thank you for the beauty. Thank you for my cat. There are many other spiritual practices and I know, I know many of you use them and employ them and know of them. So I won't go into the, the litany, but this, this felt like something simple for us to share together and to remember that in order for us to be present for these big things that we want to impact, for this work of justice and love and compassion that we want to do in the world, that we want to do for our planet and for one another, we have to be able to, to be in those places without reacting every minute, without feeling so frightened and so angry or even attacked. Remember your belovedness. Amen, Ashe, and blessed be. Take in the stillness of this moment. Notice your belovedness like a memory calling out from the center of your being, connecting every little piece of everything to everyone and all of us. Feel gratitude rising for this chance to begin again this day with hope. Be blessed.